This is part two of my talk with Cassandra on her diagnosis with type 1 diabetes. So if you haven't listened to part one, I would recommend listening to that before you listen to today's episode. Don't forget to send me an email or write a review to be entered in to win the free coaching session that I'm giving out in celebration of my birthday. Are you sick of always feeling rushed? Does it feel like you're constantly forgetting things? Are you frequently frustrated and snapping at your kids, spouse, or all of the above? Are you ready for peace and joy to flow through you in your home? In this podcast, you will find solutions to bring peace and joy back to what may feel like chaos. It is my mission to help you be restored to who God intended you to be so you can wake up refreshed and excited for each new day. When God speaks of restoration, it is always in abundance, and when restored, it is better than how it started. God promised us a better life and a better future for us and our families. If you are ready to say yes to the life God created you for and for peace to flow through your home, mind, and spirit, then you have come to the right place. I'm Jen, a wife, mom, and Jesus lover. I spent six years as a single mom, then married, became a stepmom, and we blended our families. Diving in headfirst from a chaotic single mom life to a chaotic mom and wife life. I struggled to keep my sanity. I looked to everything and everyone else to avoid the drowning feelings of failure and uncertainty. I finally realized there was a better way. Life was meant to be truly lived. God had a purpose for me and our family, and the way we were living was not it. God showed me what structure, organization, and a healthy mindset can do to bring joy back into my home and marriage. Through that, God showed me what biblical restoration in my life can look like. I am here to share that with you. Wherever you are starting from, if you are ready to find peace, joy, and your sanity once again, or for the first time ever, along with getting back to the root of who God created you to be, this podcast is for you. Find a new joy-infused marriage and laughter and fun to replace the stress and frustration with your kiddos as you join me for real talk through the pain, struggle, and joy and freedom on the other side. So warm up that cold coffee, find a kid-free chair, and pop in those earbuds. It's time to dive in. So I take a whole dose before I even eat it just because it's just one of the things that my body just responds to differently. Um, so like if I go have sushi or if I'm going to go have any kind of like Asian you cuisine. You quite a ways in advance. Oh yeah, I dose at least 30 minutes before okay. and then I take a whole dose for it. Um, and so uh, the Afrezza was great because it like your body, because you're inhaling it, your body immediately responds to it. So I could break my highs really quickly. The only problem, and it was, so it was like a powder that you were inhaling. Um, and I haven't heard it talked about in a while, so I kind of have a feeling like it might not be on the market anymore. Um, and the only thing that was bad about it for me, I, I tested it out because in the diabetic community, what you find is that people are willing to share like medication because yeah. it's sometimes it's really hard. It's really well, you know, expensive. Had, you and I have had to do that yep. with you in Georgia. So yeah. So sometimes it's just she was low ones. You were low ones. Yeah. Like yeah. It's just, it's so expensive and sometimes the resources aren't there. And so I had a couple of friends who were taking the Afraza that gave me some of it to try and it was great. And I loved it. I would never be prescribed it because I have asthma. Okay. And so because you're inhaling a powder, yeah. they, don't want to encourage your asthma so um but it was great and so there's been a lot of things that have come out you know over the years that have been great tools you know all of the cgms on the market are man if i had that when i was diagnosed i feel like that should just be diet that should just be given to somebody day of diagnosis i wish they would have given it to georgia when she was diagnosed it changed our lives completely yep. Yeah, it's the difference of having 
a 20% view of what your blood sugars are doing or 100%. Because when you're checking your blood sugar, it's a snapshot. It's what your blood sugar is right there in that moment. But as somebody who has diabetes, you know that moment changes and you can go from... In minutes. Yeah. From like perfectly being okay to being skyrocketed high or dropping down super low. Well, and certain foods mm -hmm. affect you differently. And I didn't even notice any of that until Georgia was on her CGM because Mm -hmm. you're just checking it and you see one number. But as she got on the CGM, I noticed the different fluctuations and how we would dose correctly for the right amount of carbs, but her blood sugar was totally off and it shouldn't have been. So I've noticed that that food affects it totally differently. Yeah. Well, and as somebody who has type type 1 diabetes, you aren't just... But you're not just a person anymore. You are a doctor. You are a dietitian. You are a mathematician. Yeah. Like, you are a chef and a nutrition. Like, all of the information that you have to know to, in, in order to calculate a dose. And I feel like, and I've told this to many, many, many endocrinologists over the years, my carb ratio, my dosing, um, I do, I'm pretty proficient at what's called titrating. So titrating is adjusting your dosing based off of your insulin or based off of your blood sugar. So for instance, um, if I'm waking up high in the morning, like if my blood sugar, uh, my fasting blood sugar is a high blood sugar in the morning, what that tells me is that I need to adjust my basal. I need to adjust my long lasting insulin. So every two days I will adjust by two units. So it's called titrating. And it's how, you know, all of the dosing that my doctor gives me, those are references. It really is a reference point when you live with it. Well, every day is different. Yep. So you can't do the same thing every day yep. and, if I, and expect it to work. Yeah. Well, and everything affects it. So your sleep, your stress, your energy levels, your environment, your what you're eating, when you're eating, are you working out? Like everything well, is affected. And when we do math and reading, her blood sugars are higher than mm-hmm. normal but she's stressed out because those yep. are the subjects that she doesn't do well in. Yep. And she gets stressed and it frustrates her and then her blood sugar starts to skyrocket. Yep. Yep. Adrenaline. Even anything and she's got the yep. insulin on board. If she's just, really, really excited, you'll notice that adrenaline yes, will drop her down low. It does. Because you get really excited and that burst of adrenaline in your body, is, it'll cause your blood sugars to go low. So yeah, everything is affected by the diabetes and diabetes affects everything. It affects your moods. It affects your temperament. It affects your sleep, you know? And so it's this very fun tightrope. And so when it comes to the dosing, you know, I always take the doctor's medical advice, right? They're looking at, you know, all of my readings. They're looking at all of my lab work. They're looking at all of those Mm -hmm. things from that medical perspective. And so I take that information, but at the end of the day, I use all of my recommended dosing as the reference point and my guiding point, but I adjust based off of what my body actually needs. I don't recommend anybody to do that right off the bat. You know, obviously 20 years, I have a bit of experience with my body and what my body does and how my body responds. So it's a little bit easier for me. Um, But it's definitely more of a reference point and my doctors are more for making sure I have the tools that I need to be able to, you know, live again as normally as possible. But, um, yeah, I definitely do a lot of my own 
<laughs> my own dosing, my own adjustments, you know, so. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I feel bad because I'll, I'll get kind of scolded from her endocrinologist mm. when we go to the appointments because she has her appointments every three months. I don't yep. know if that's the same as you yep. get older. But, it's the same. Uh, she has the appointments and then I'm... I'm supposed to be there telling the doctor that we have dosed exactly what they said we should be dosing, but every day is totally different Mm -hmm. and foods affect her differently. So I'm not going with the dosage that they said, but then they want to be able to adjust her dosage because she's growing and changing and, but I can't give them something effective. And so I'll get a little scolded, but yeah, I think that there's, so I feel like it's twofold when it comes to doctors, right? And there's a lot of things that they use to measure what is considered a quote-unquote good diabetic. Um, you know, for instance, your hemoglobin A1C, right, which is a six-month snapshot of what your average blood sugar is. So it based off of the hemoglobin that is in your blood. Um, it's a test that every diabetic, if you are a diabetic for a day, you know what this test is. Um, and that's been for a long time, that's been your grading scale. You know, ideally, they want you to be a seven or under. Um, but I was a 12 and an 11 for a very long time because my diabetes control is just very difficult. I'm what's called a brittle diabetic. So my body fluctuates a lot. I spike up really high really quick and I drop really low really quick. So um, management, especially as a child, was very difficult. But, you know, they take these tests and they say that this is what qualifies you as being controlled or not. But what they should really be looking at is what is your deviation? So your deviation is your drop or your incline. How quickly are you spiking? How quickly are you dropping? What is your deviation, you know? And what is your insulin sensitivity? What is your, they want you at like a 50-50 ratio for your, um, how much of your long lasting, if you're taking long lasting, how much of your long lasting versus how much of your fast acting you're taking, they want it a 50 50 ratio. That's, I've never been able to get that a 50 50 ratio. <laughs> so I just think that some of the ways that they gauge, you know, from the medical perspective is off. Um, and what I did, cause I was going into one of my endos and I was getting scolded every time I went in because, you know, my A1C wasn't where they wanted it to be. And I wasn't quote unquote dosing how they were telling me to do. So for three months, I did exactly to the letter what they told me to do and everything got worse. Oh. So I went in with all of, I tracked it. I wrote everything down. They, and then I went in and they did my, you know, they always do your labs before your appointment, right? So that they can look at your labs. So then they're looking at my labs and my endo is like, what did you do? And I said, I followed your plan. To the T. I did exactly what you said. I didn't adjust anything. I didn't change anything. This is what you told me to do. And from that moment on, she never, never rebuttaled me. She never questioned. She was like, okay. She was like, you know, and then it became a conversation. You know, okay, this is from the medical perspective. This is what I'm looking at. This is what I'm seeing. But you're living with this. So what are you seeing? How should we be adjusting? I like that. And so that was a great, and my current endocrinologist, that's how he is. Um, and so that's been really great of just being able to have the conversation versus just being told, 
you know, they have the best of intentions, but they're not living with it every day. They don't know what it actually looks like. You know, they just know what their books and what their education has told them. Um, But it's very different living with the disease and living with how it works and how your body adjusts. Um, So it's always, doctors are always fun. They're, They're always really interesting. I will say I definitely think pediatric doctors at least in my experience, pediatric doctors are definitely more invested, you know, in their patients' mm-hmm. care um, than adult endocrinologists. I've had some really... George has had some great, great endocrinologists. That's good. Yeah. yeah, I've had some really interesting experiences with some adult endocrinologists and even some of the nurses in the offices. And it's very interesting how even with education, people can just be so uneducated. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> it's definitely interesting for sure. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your parents. Sure. You've mentioned some, uh, but how have you talked to them now yeah. about their experience with it? Have you guys discussed that at all? Yeah, so um, I've talked with both of my parents about it. Uh, my mom, more so than my dad. Uh, my mom has epilepsy, so her and I, which is also a uh, chronic immune deficiency mm-hmm. disease, um, which diabetes is classified yeah. as. Um, and so her and I have had a lot of conversation about it just because we talk all the medical things. Um, and I know that a lot of... Um, a lot of the decisions that she made and a lot of the ways that she approached it, which they weren't great for me, um, was literally just, there was a lot of fear. Um, there was also just a lot of, there was just no education. So she didn't know how to help. And so that was very frustrating for her. And then the ways that she was trying to help were really just stemming from fear of, I don't know, you know, how to help her. And the first two years it was, I don't know how to save her life um, because I was so sick. So I know that for them, there was a lot of um, just kind of frustration and just fear from the fact that they just didn't know. They didn't know how to help. And there wasn't, you know, today I feel like, you know, in, in California at Chalk, you have the Padre Foundation. You know, you have um, you know, the only thing that was really around back then was the ADA, which is the American Diabetes Association, which they don't really, they don't really do much. Yeah. You know, whereas now we have JDRF, you know, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. We have, you know, California has Chalk, has, pa- has Padre. There's so many more, like, resources. There's so many more. Um, people are also um, more, uh, people are actually talking about it. You know, people post about it on social media. You know, it's a lot easier to find a community. And so I think a lot of the stuff from my parents just came from there was just no community. You know, and God created us for community, right? So you imagine walking through this really scary thing where your child's life is at stake and you don't have people to come around you. You know, we had a church, but... Nobody knew. Nobody understood. I was very ostracized in my youth group because people didn't get it. Um, I felt very alone. And, you know, my parents had people to at least empathize, but no real support because nobody understood. Nobody knew how to help. So a lot of the stuff with my parents just came from, what do we do? You know, how do we help? And they were feeling, probably feeling alone in their Side yeah. of things too. Yeah. You know, I felt completely alone when George was diagnosed because I didn't, well, I knew you, but I didn't yeah. know anything about 
I knew you. Like, we hadn't really connected much mm-hmm. at that point. So I didn't know anything about type 1 diabetes. I yeah. didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. I really didn't even know the difference between type 1 and type 2. I just figured they were both a lifestyle thing. Yeah. And so once she was diagnosed, I learned. Yeah. A whole lot. You get a crash course. Like a week. <laughs> yeah, you get a crash but course. <laughs> I felt completely alone. And then I was able to talk to you and connect with you more. And I think you're the one who made me feel less alone in my situation because you, I could go to you for questions when it might take a day or two to get back from my doctor or yeah. this or that. Yeah. And you're actually, you were one of three different moms who the moment that their child was diagnosed was literally like calling me like, I don't know anybody else yeah. that has type one, you know? And, um, yeah, I can't, as a, as a soon to be mom, mm-hmm. I can't imagine, you know, that fear of, you know, what do I do or how do I face this or how do I help my child, you know? And of course, like all things, diabetes affects each person differently, but it is vastly different for girls. It is so different for girls versus for boys. You know, there's a lot of similarities, but the way that it affects us because it's a hormone, you know, it just affects us so drastically different. Um, So yeah, I can imagine that that was, and I know my mom has expressed that for her, there was just a lot of frustration because she just didn't know how to help. And, and my very first endocrinologist was awful. She was absolutely terrible. It was a horrible experience. So not only did my mom not have community, but then she felt like she couldn't even go to my doctor. She couldn't ask questions. You know, my mom and my parents were pushing for a pump and she was just very adamant about not, you know, that, um, you know, putting a child on an insulin pump is not good for them and just all of these things. And so, you know, my parents were, again, just very alone, very isolated in that journey, especially in the very beginning. Yeah. How are they feeling now? Like seeing their child all grown up and dealing (laughs) with it and managing it? Um, So of my siblings, I'm the one they worry about the least. Which is hilarious because I was the one for the longest time that they worried about the most. But, um, you know, having watched, you know, my dad still, I think, has um, some fear that kind of rises from time to time, Um, you know, just because and especially because of what his dad, his dad, um, you know, passed a year ago this last October. So I think that there's some things that are tied there for him, you know, a lot of my grandfather's health at the very end were all due to just complications of uncontrolled and unmanaged diabetes, um, which was really painful for me to see because, you know, the biggest difference between type one diabetes and type two diabetes is that type two diabetes in almost all cases is reversible. Whereas type one diabetes, like until God heals me or there's a cure that this is how I'm going to live the rest of my life. And so lifestyle isn't going to change a thing. Exactly. You know, but for type two diabetics, most of the time, if not all of the time, you're able to reduce, you know, reverse that with just proper diet and exercise. And so I think that there's some things that my dad still worries about and fears. Um, And I know like he asks me, you know, when, whenever we talk, you know, how my health is and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, because they can see it, like they see the fruit of me caring for myself and me taking care of myself properly. There's not really, you know, I haven't been in the hospital for, I got 
I was in the hospital a few years ago with a very mild case of DKA, um, but it stemmed from I got food poisoning. Okay. So it wasn't an un- it wasn't me being unmanaged. It was just I got food poisoning and my body couldn't. I got food poisoning and then something else happened and it was back to back and my body just couldn't handle being sick like it's that. A lot on anybody's body. Yeah, and so, but other than that, like I haven't been hospitalized in well over a decade for anything diabetes related. So, you know, I know that for them now they have a lot more peace and a lot more confidence, you know, and obviously, you know, the CGM was a game changer. Yeah. You know, again, circling back to that, it just gives me so much more information, which allows me to control my sugars so much better. So my parents don't really have to, you know, worry about that. I think the biggest frustration today is dealing with all of the complications of insurance and how expensive it is you know, for all of the supplies, like not just the insulin, but if I want to use a CGM, it's $450 a month. You know, if I wanted to be on an insulin pump, it would be even more than that. If we didn't have a secondary insurance for Georgia, it'd be 300 a month for her. Mm -hmm. But thankfully our secondary insurance, because my husband got another job. So that's the only reason we're not paying Yep. A whole lot of money. Yeah. And so I think that's really the only thing today that I would say that they... If they worried or if there was anything that they're, you know, concerned about, that's really what it is, is just it's so expensive and it's can sometimes be like almost impossible or at least feel like that from like a financial standpoint. Um, But yeah, other than that, it's they really don't. I mean, and I think everyone's just so used to it at this point. Like, it's just part of, like, this is just part of Cassandra's life. Like, this is just how she rolls. And so I don't think that there's much, not that it's ignored, there's just not much thought to it. You know? Yeah. Now, I wasn't going to say anything because I didn't know if you wanted to mention it, but you are pregnant. Yes. So how are you managing that pregnancy-wise? Yeah, so it's been really interesting. Um, God is really good. I was told my whole life that because of the brittle diabetes that I would be a high-risk pregnancy. I mean, I had doctors literally telling me that the moment I was told I was pregnant, I'd be on bed rest because, you know, it was just going to be like a really hard road. Um, But at my first appointment, my OB was like, it looks like it's going to be a very boring pregnancy for you. I'm not. (laughs) Yes, I will take boring. Um... You know, I am noticing just there's a lot more stability um, in my blood sugars, um, which is really interesting because typically anything that adds stressors onto my body um, makes it much harder for me to manage. Um, And so, you know, growing a small child, (laughs) you know, you would I would think that I would have a much harder time, Um, but it's actually been really great. I um you know, I had a really bad UTI a few weeks ago, um, and I I went into the ER just because I was in so much pain, right. you know, and, you know, being pregnant, I was like, I just want to make sure baby is okay, like, you know, but they didn't keep me. I was just there for a few hours, but um, that week was really tough, but it was mostly because I was in a lot of pain, which spikes my blood sugars. I was also on antibiotics, which doesn't help my blood sugars. Um, And I was just in so much pain and discomfort that eating was really difficult for me. Um, But outside of that, it's been, it's been great. Like my health is the healthiest it's ever been. I'm 
in the greatest place, like as far as my health is concerned. And so um, all of my doctors, you know, I got a call from my endocrinologist calls me every Tuesday because oh, he reads awesome. my CGMs and lets me know if I should adjust, you know, anything. And uh, his office called me yesterday and they said um, they did some labs when I went in last week. I don't know if George has ever had a fructosamine um, no, taken. So it's like the A1C, but it's a snapshot of like the last two weeks. Oh. And so um, they do that every time I go in and see him, which I'm seeing him like once a month right now. Um, just because of the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they called me and they were like, doctor says the labs look good. Everything looks great. Keep doing what you're doing. We'll let you know if you need to change anything awesome. next week. Yeah. So it's been really great, which is just, and for me, it's a testament to God and just mm-hmm. what he's capable of doing um, in our mess and our muck. He can still give us such great blessings. Um, and so yeah, it's been. I you see it that way. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> Such a great positive view of it all. Yeah, it's definitely been great because I was always really nervous about what that would look like. I think also the fact that I'm older, um, my body is more matured. So everything from, you know, the diabetes to the pregnancy to, you know, I also have asthma. Just all of those things are just so much different now because my body is older. Um, and so, but yeah, it's actually been really good. So I'm very happy with a boring pregnancy. <laughs> Leave it to a man to say boring pregnancy, but you know. Yeah. 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 Those words don't usually go together. But Mm-mm. Mm-mm. what about, do you have a fear or a worry that this baby might end up having diabetes or another in- endocrine <laughs> issue? You know, I... I honestly haven't really given it um, much thought. Um, the The reality with type 1 diabetes is that, yes, there are genetic markers, but there's no actual scientific proof that it's genetically related. So um, I haven't really given it too much thought. And the reality is, is that because of my experience and what I've walked through as far as my diabetes journey has gone... Um, there's no one better for her to have as a mama than for me. And so if that ends up being the case, then we'll take it, you know, in stride. And I honestly, I couldn't be more prepared for that because of so much of the education that I have is stuff that I had to learn myself. Nobody really taught me. I had to figure it out on my own. And so I feel like if that's, you know, if that's the journey that God decides to to give to her, then we'll take it in stride and I know what that's going to look like and we'll just kind of take it one day at a time. But um, no, I haven't really given it too much thought, honestly. You would definitely be the best one for her. You should start your own education <laughs> on diabetes. I could learn a lot from yourself. <laughs> yeah, so, but, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, in any, in any pregnancy, you know, diabetes aside, in any pregnancy, in any child, there's a lot of things, right? There's a lot of what ifs, could ifs, you know, what do I do if? And um, I, especially with this pregnancy and kind of the ways that it's come about, just continue to just speak life and, you know, have chosen that if God decides that there's a specific journey that my little girl is going to be on, then, I'm just going to walk alongside her, you know, and God's going to be in it throughout the whole entire thing regardless. So there's no one better than him to walk alongside her in it. 
Well, God thought I was the best mom for Georgia, and I knew yep. nothing about diabetes. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you just kind of take it in stride, and um, I feel fortunate that if that's what is part of her journey, that I don't have to walk through that experience, right, of feeling alone or feeling scared. Um, because not only do I know a lot about diabetes, but I walk with diabetes, and so I I know what it feels like, mm-hmm. you know, intimately. It's not just you know, I can relate because I've read a lot of books. Like I can intimately tell her, you know, I get it. It sucks sometimes. Sometimes you just don't want a diabetes. Sometimes you just don't want to do it. Sometimes, you know, in the community, we talk about burnout a lot because it's an all day, everyday thing. You don't get a break. You don't get a rest. You don't get to not think about diabetes or how it affects you. You know, when you start driving, it's things you got to worry about. You know, my doctor's office won't let me leave if I'm a certain blood sugar. Yeah. Like, they're like, nope, you got to wait. So, oh. you know, those are things that you have to just think about and things that you have to take into I account. about how much of a strain it was just on me mentally. I didn't have to go with it physically, just mentally because mm-hmm. of Georgia. And it's a huge strain because I'm constantly thinking about it. And she can't do all the math herself. And yeah. And doesn't know all the carbs yet. And so I'm still thinking about it constantly and even when I'm sleeping I'm wondering like oh, yeah. is, she, is her number good and sometimes I'll just pull up the app so I can see what her number is so I want to make sure and so I could imagine when you're you're the one physically and mentally going through it it would be really difficult yeah it definitely takes its toll and you find the reprieves like you find the ways that there's some days I don't there's some days I don't diabetes yeah I just I'll take a shot and be like, okay, you know, and some days I'm on it, like white on rice, and some days I'm on top of it. And then there's some days where I'm just like, God, I need a mental break. I need a mental break, you know, and so there's days where I just, I don't, and I'm not saying take multiple days off of diabetes. Don't do that. (laughs) You know, don't stop taking your insulin. Like, I did that. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. But, but you're just may not be counting as accurately. Yeah, or, you're yeah. not overthinking it. You're not constantly checking your app. You know, I have my app. It's on my home screen on my phone. It's on my watch. You know, I constantly, you know, think about it. And so you find the, the ways that you can manage it while not just because some days just feel defeating. Some days you do everything right. Man, you carb count right, you take your doses at the right time, you take, you just do everything right and nothing goes right, you know? Or you have a really great day doing everything right and then you do the exact same thing the next day and it's a complete disaster, you know? So you find the ways that that work that you can move with. Um, You find the foods that work best for you. Um, You learn the foods that are a little bit harder for you. Um, But it really is just a a journey and it really is just okay this is what it looks like today you know and so it's definitely I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy you know but I think that if I was going to be given something to strengthen and fortify me then you know I'm grateful for it it's allowed me to connect with people that I would have never been able to connect with it's allowed parents to feel like they have a resource because I'm very open, honest, and transparent about my life and about diabetes. You are a huge resource for me. And even just seeing Georgia be able because she didn't, and there was one mom at the church that mm-hmm. had a child with diabetes, but I, I didn't even know he had diabetes at the time, so I didn't know to contact her. Mm-hmm. And so 
seeing Georgia be able to talk to somebody else, yeah. even though you weren't her age, she was able to talk to somebody else who had experienced it and is going mm-hmm. through it. Just seeing that connection was huge for me as a mom, but also huge for her. Yeah. And I remember you giving her the, the, it was, I think it was a JDRF sweatshirt. Oh yeah. And she was just swimming in it. Cause she was only six she years was old. She was so tiny. Yeah. Size, but she still has it. It's hanging in her closet. Yeah. But that just meant the world to both of us. Yeah. Community is a huge deal. And for any of the parents who have reached out to me, it's like the first thing I tell them, get them in a community, get them surrounded by kids, their age that are going through it. Because as parents or even just in the community, we call them T3s, right? You don't have diabetes, but you love and support somebody who does. Um, as somebody who loves and supports somebody who has diabetes, you can relate and you can see the struggle and you can empathize and you can love and you can care. But to come alongside someone, like I have a group of girls that um, we all met through social media and then went to a couple of events together and when we're having a hard day, when we just, it's like one of those just burnout days, like we reach out to each other and we're just like, man, today sucks. Like today's so hard or, you know, I'm going through this, you know, and we're very transparent about our journeys and what our diabetes looks like. Uh, one of my friends uh, often does a blood sugar roll call. Oh. So she'll just post on her social media, like no judgment, judgment free, but what's your blood sugar right now? And it's cool because you see all of these other, you know, you see all these other numbers and you're like, oh, cool. Like my blood sugar is 269 right now. It's not just me, yeah. you know? And so community is so huge. You know, again, God created us for community. He, he, the only time in the very beginning he said that something was bad was when he saw that man was alone. So we're not supposed to do it alone. So having other people who get it, you know, just get it. It makes such a huge difference. And so, you know, other parents, I'm sure, you know, other parents who have kids that have it, being able to relate to that struggle and the fears that come along with it, the feelings of anxiety that can come along with it. Because it is like I couldn't. I can't imagine from a parent's perspective, right? Because that's not part of my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know, looking back, I can see, you know, how hard it was on my parents, you know, and how they really were trying to do the best they could with what they had. Um, but it, it is, like, it's just hard sometimes. So community is huge, and I highly recommend it. And anything, you know, no matter what kind of struggle you're walking through, like getting around other people who have walked through that or who have experienced, you know, the same thing, it can just be a game changer, you know, and, and it can help in so many ways. Have you been able to find a community since you moved here to Iowa? Um, no, I haven't. I haven't really searched for one either. Um... My community back home is so strong. And most of us, most of my community didn't live in Orange County. Yeah. Most of my community, you know, one of the girls is in um, San Francisco and then two of the other girls are in San Diego. So we would get together like maybe once or twice yeah. a year anyways. Um, and so the only thing that I really did consistently in California that um, – I'm not, or I haven't started doing is I did the JDRF walk every year. I had a team, um, and we walked every year. Um, and I did that for, I didn't do it obviously the year with COVID cause they didn't have it. And then I didn't do it the year after that. Um, but up until that point I had done it every year for, I think about six years. 
So I would fundraise beforehand and then my team would do the actual walk. Um, but other than that, you know, whenever I would hear about, you know, different events that sounded good, I would go to those. Um, my favorites were like the meetups that just regular yeah. people would have. Um, but I haven't really done much of that here. Um, I also, just in this season, my focus is different. Um, so when I was very heavily involved with the community, that was really a lot of my focus was, you know, walking out diabetes and walking out that well and doing it productively and health in a healthy way. Um, right now, cause I have such a good handle on it. It's, you know, in this season, it's just not really much of a focus. Yeah. Um, not opposed to it, but it's just not something that I've really like sought out like here yeah. yet or you know yeah. <laughs> what that looks like. <laughs> well, you have a community. You may yes. not be like right here next to you, but you have a community. Yeah, and we were always like keeping in touch through technology anyways, yeah. so we just continue to do that and that's what works for us. We've and... done a few events here okay. in Idaho, but we haven't really done near as much as we did out in California. Just yeah. because our season of life is different here too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well and the community in California, from what I understand, is much, much larger than yeah. most areas. Um, and I think people in California are a little bit more open to, like, doing things like that. Oh. Um, and so, yeah, I know that the community itself, I've heard, is a much larger community, especially in Orange County. Yeah. The community in Orange County is huge. It was huge. Yeah. Orange County and San Diego have the largest communities in California. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. No wonder it yeah. seems so big when we were there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. JDRF has at least, like, I want to say four to six walks just in Orange County every year. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that much. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So they have a lot that they do and a lot that goes on with them. So, and it makes it easier because yeah. it's more convenient. You don't really have to drive far if you don't want to. Yeah. You can, well, but <laughs> it's much easier when you don't have to. <laughs> I don't like driving far. Yeah. No. And California is also more compact compared to Idaho. Idaho, everything's a little bit more spread out. So that makes it a little different too. So not bad, just different. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining me today yeah. and for talking to everybody about diabetes and your experience. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for all your help with Georgia when we first were diagnosed. <laughs> of course. <laughs> more than happy. Changed our experience with the diagnosis completely. It would have been a lot more difficult. Well, I'm happy to help. And anyone has any questions, you can give them my information. Yeah. Happy to um, help. I have my email and website available. So right. if anybody sends me... If any of you send me an email, I'll pass it on to Sandra. So. Yeah, that's great. No problem. And congratulations again on the pregnancy. It's Thank so you. Thank you. Yes, definitely a blessing in this season Maybe for sure. Back on talking as a mom. Oh yeah, yeah. maybe <laughs> that'll be that'll be interesting. We'll talk about the newborn life. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So a few more months. Few yeah. more months. <laughs> so getting, getting there though. Yes, definitely You're getting there. Weeks now. Mm-hmm. So you're coming up on halfway. Yes. Yep. It's coming up a lot faster than I thought it would. It's going to go really fast. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's okay. We're trying to actually get a baby bump, which is nice. So people don't just yeah. think I got fat, which That's, is great. It's always nice. The beginning stage where you're so bloated and people just look at you thinking you're fat or you think that people are looking at you thinking you think you're, you're fat. fat. Yeah. Yeah. That's the worst stage. Once oh my it gosh. Once the baby bump, you just. 
You can wear all the clothes that accentuate it. Yes, yeah. intentionally. Yep. Yeah, like crop sweatshirts with exactly. like, yes. Yep. I'm like, good. It'll be fun. <laughs> like, somebody please just ask the question so I can address the fact that no, I didn't just get fat. No, I didn't get fat really quickly. This is a baby inside. Yes, so, <laughs> yeah, but fun times. Yeah. So, well, thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. That really was so much fun. Thanks for joining us. And I'll see you all next week for a conversation with Georgia and her experience with diabetes. And then another tactical episode as well. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. If you liked the episode, please take a moment to leave a review. This helps to get Restored Mama out there into the world to help more mamas like you find the joy and freedom in the restoration God has waiting for them. If you liked Mama's show, leave a review. It will help her get seen. I would love to hear your story, where you're at, and what you're hoping to learn and gain from Restored Mama. Send me an email at restoredmamapodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com to fill me in on your journey. I can't wait to hang out with you again next time. Until then, I hope this has blessed you today, and I can't wait to see what God is going to do in your life.